SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. The CEO of Africa to Services, Ms. Onye Nwaneri, is on the line to talk to us about International Day of Education. Who will be left behind in the post-COVID-19 era of education? There are certainly signs that many, many South African learners are being left behind, and that certainly does not augur well, neither for the country and ourselves against global development. If the conversation I had with Adi Katz a fortnight ago is anything to go by. Onye, thank you so much for joining us. Let's have a conversation about education and where South Africa ranks, and especially when we're talking about people being left behind, it is something that should be collectively lamented by society. Go for it. Yeah, thank you for having me and thank you to your listeners. Uh, you are 100% right that uh, right now we are at a very difficult uh, situation where our education system, although a lot has been done uh, to try and accelerate you know, improvement on every area, a lot of money is being invested in education, yet we're not seeing the kind of change that we want to see in the area of education Hence, as we celebrate uh, this International Day of Education, the theme to mark this day is changing costs, transforming education, strengthening and welcoming the revival of education. And the reason why this theme exists is that we think the status quo as we know it needs to change and we need to completely rethink how we approach our education system and how we approach you know, the support of young people and children in, in the space of education. Let's talk about, I mean, it's a conversation that anybody is having and everybody is in fact having. But insofar as it relates to the education results that were released by the minister yesterday, what came strongly to the fore for you? What was it that made you very happy or gave you serious concerns? In other words, how do we interpret these metric results for the sake of the country's future from the perspectives of Africa Tukun, of course? Yeah, from from an Africa Econ Services perspective, um, we 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 love the improvement of of in terms of the the matric results, um, um, especially in a very difficult pandemic year. I I I don't want to be, you know, in the shoes of the education minister or the various uh, political as well as um, administrative heads that have to look at the concept of education in a country in a very, very difficult uh, two years uh, where we're trying to balance um, the health and safety of uh, learners and as well as to accelerate you know, the ability to be educated in already a very difficult you know, environment where our, a lot of our learners are not reading for meaning, we, we are seeing a lot of challenges in that space. So I really want to say that what has been achieved is commendable in light of the challenges that we have faced as a country. But at the same time, when we look at what we have achieved in relation to um, the linkages to further education, the linkages to employment, then it becomes a whole different ballgame. Um, if, you, if, you, if you look at where our unemployment crisis currently in the country, it is at matric and those who don't have matrix, that's where majority of our unemployment in the country, and which is one of our biggest crises as a country. And therefore, the question is, 
you know, are we looking at all the socioeconomic factors, whether it is nutrition, whether it is gender, whether it is gender, whether it is healthcare, water, that enables young people to be able to optimize the education system? How many of the young people that have been educated are currently employable? We see the linkages between, in terms of, you know, the quality of the matric result and the quality of individual that is now looking to access the economy in real time post a matric, for example, as an entry-level certificate. And so when you look at it in the context of the difficulty of the nation, whether in terms of the economy, in terms of unemployment, in terms of, you know, the fact that majority of our, our country are living in a welfare economy where they are dependent on grants, then the big question is, you know, have we done enough? Can our young people compete on the same level playing field um, that is required in order to be able to compete in the in the global stage, in the African continent stage, for example? Hence, the challenges that we have is not um, that simple. It's it's something that we should collectively, civil society, government, as well as private sector, need to look at to say, what does it look like when it's fixed? What 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 kind of young people are we looking for in terms of jobs of the future, um, in terms of you know uh, in whatever sector, and the kind of education that we are providing is it setting them up for it, or are we already set back by a pandemic that creates a rotational access to education already limiting access that mm-hmm. looks at technology where there's limited access in terms of technology even in underprivileged communities. I'll give an invitation now just to make preliminary remarks in relation to your views as to how technology firstly has been used. So give us a factual analysis of what you make, how technology has been incorporated in education in the light of what COVID-19 has necessitated from an access of public spaces and numbers um, from that perspective anyway. And then if and certainly I'll give you time after the news break, give us an account of essentially how that, whatever you're going to be commenting on as a factual analysis, could have been better managed or can yet be better managed, rolled out, implemented, so that the results that we have now we can look forward to against what you propose to be a way of engaging technology would give us even better results. Very quickly, and factual analysis in a minute, a minute and a half. Um, the factual analysis is that as much as we have technology and technology has been in, 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 in brought into the education system to support education in a pandemic um, scenario that we have now, the challenge is that the infrastructure in under-resourced communities is not there. I can tell you from first-hand experience that there is very limited access to data and not even data-stable internet. And until the issue of stable internet and data is solved, education through technology is not effective at all in terms of accelerating um, that type of um, um, growth in, uh, with regards to, 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 to our country overall. Fantastic. We are on the line with Ms. Onyin Waneri, CEO of Africa Token Services. This because today, 24th of January, is International Day of Education. The question posed so far is who will be left behind in the post-COVID-19 era of education? Many of you would probably would have a hunch as to who will be left behind. But importantly, why are those who are going to be left behind or are being left behind going to be left behind drop us a voice note please 0614104107 let's try and get them in now while the news is on so that we can play those voice notes and then have a response from Oni immediately thereafter
People's radios are on. Unfortunately, this is something we have to from time to time say. Please switch your radios off. If you are driving a diesel engine especially, switch it off so that you can get your voice notes True. without the background noise in many respects, as has been the case this evening, compromising the sound read as broadcast quality of the voice notes. Just keep it under 60 seconds, no background noise. We'll be absolutely sure to play it. It's 21 hours, one hour down, 45 minutes to go. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. on the viewpoint. Songezo, what what is very strange with us is that uh, we we changed everything from a pupil to a learner, from biology to life science. Something that is very useless in my view. We don't change the education. Look now, thirty percent you are passing partially. What's that? I mean, people have a problem in, in their community about a clinic, they pay a school. What's that? I mean, where are we going? The next thing will be fighting in the courts, wanting to be part of the educational systems that are being built by white people. Why don't we do the same? I don't know. We won't improve. Our education system won't improve. Thank you, Butinkonki in Eastern Cape. All right, so guys, I must tell you a story. I'm involved with fixing up of the library in Beacon Bay. We have bought 10 computers for the library because not one library in Eastern has got a computer at the moment. We have got the 10 brand new computers just lying there, but we cannot get the municipality to fix the hole in the roof. We've been trying for two years to get the hole in the roof fixed so we can install the computers to the benefit of the students. It's like a never ending battle. We're not allowed to touch a municipal building because it's municipal property, so we can't fix it. We've got 10 brand new computers just lying there waiting. Mike and Todd. Hi, Buddhist and your listeners. This is Zolambala. At Cocodala, a lady fry. I'm just around now. I see, yeah, no development here. Uh, you know, we need to chase away the ANC for, for only one five year, and then we can see if we can't get any change and put other party on power. And then you're gonna be right. Kangalagan got to say good. Snagasi Susan, Sigwegani, Singaba vote, Sweganyu party. Man from Kokodala, just outside Queenstown, on your way to Tala in the Lady Frere, formally saying that the ANC should forget the seat for just five years and see if a lot would not go right. But I think let us respond, especially to the gentleman in Mtata Mike, talking about the project they are running in Beacon Bay, East London. Like, I mean, when you hear stories like that, Onyi, 
private money, private citizens doing good because they have a social obligation to their fellow people to do right. And they are stumbled by one stupid and totally unnecessary snag in the value chain of things. They can't touch a municipal building. And I can understand from an administrative perspective why that would be the case. But surely you would think it is obvious to fix a hole in a roof. Onye. Well, um, I guess that, you know, there are two ways of looking at it. That's why I, I always uh, struggle to comment on, on issues like this. Uh, there's one way of looking at it is that many times there are uh, big corporates, corporate South Africa, individuals who really want to do good and they want to ensure that, you know, they invest in, in, in changing the status quo when it comes to education system. But sometimes the work that they do is done separate from the real need in terms of that community. And that's why it's important that before we rush to say, oh, what the school needs is computers or this school needs, is to really, really understand what is the root cause, what is it that you need first before you go and go ahead and buy computers. And maybe what we need in the school is probably better management, better better you know, uh, teachers or, or support to capacitate the teacher. And maybe there hasn't been effective buy-in that has been, you know, achieved in, in the, before the, the decision regarding the investment is made. And many times we also forget that at the end of the schools are microcosm of society where the, if the basic fundamentals are not in place, Putting on bandages, putting on expensive equipment will not solve the problem. You need to start with almost similar to the Maslow theory of needs to say, mm-hmm. what is the immediate need? What will make the most possible difference in a shortest possible or possible space of time before you go into, oh, what luxury equipment do they need in order to accelerate education for what industrial revolution, for example. And I think that what we often lose as corporate South Africa is that we don't do our, enough due diligence. We don't uh, consult enough with all the stakeholders and we don't necessarily start from the bottom up in terms of determining what the needs of the school is. So maybe what the school needs is very different from what is provided, and therefore when it is not, then not supported in the way that is anticipated, then there is disappointment. And working in local communities, I work in local communities most of the time, and I often think that what is given is not what is needed. And if enough attention is paid in terms of what is really needed to create the best possible change in that school should have been provided first. On the other hand, let's appreciate what has been given. And maybe to turn around and say, yes, let's give this because it's needed. But then how do we make sure that we support it in order that it becomes effective in what has been given because it's out of there? So let me give you an example. An example, for example, is is that we often say, let's give people the best possible education. Say, for example, somebody coming from a very low-income community, let's give them a bursary. We pay for their tuition, we pay for their laptop, we pay for their... But then we forget that they come from a very poor family. That if their family environment is not supported, if they don't have grocery or food to eat, no matter how much bursary you pay and you buy the laptop and textbooks, the bottom line, what we found is that those young people are hungry. We have had young people who... Tuition, 100% paid, laptop, textbook, but they don't have money for food. They're, the likelihood of a dropout from a tertiary education is high. And so we often don't look at education holistically. 
We don't look at our investment in the area of education holistically, which then informs our disappointment when what we think we wanted to do has not gone our way. Fantastic point. I think you might have misheard, but uh, it doesn't take anything away from what you have said, that Mike in Mtata in the library is where the intervention is taking place in the municipal libraries because none of those libraries, from his account anyway, are sufficiently resourced. But I think you do drive a point, and it is important for those community-based organizations or private organizations to engage with the community or the space where the need is without going in, which is a perennial challenge in this sort of thing where people assume they know what the respective community is. Education set up in large is what we're talking about, of course, without necessarily engaging the school or the district or the learners or whoever they have identified for their investment as to exactly what it is, if they could have would change the outcomes of their future dependent on where they see the development as is necessary. But now, let's have this conversation because you have touched on it twice. The value of integrating government programs together with civic programs to ensure the value chain, nothing is missing, and to the collaborative efforts and approach that are required. This is my final question indeed meet from a health perspective, social development perspective, public infrastructure, school, transport system, the Department of Education itself. How do we better organize these bodies to ensure then that the welfare in every sense, mentally, physically, and emotionally, is taken care of and the resources are arranged such that there aren't these obvious gaps? I think there are forums already in terms of that organization, and you're 100% right that unless there is that leveraging, leveraging of the different actors within this environment that can then bring value, um, it becomes really a challenge in terms of creating sustainability even within the education space. So um, in terms of um, our experience as Africa Econ Services, our experience is being able to work with the lowest level of government from an education point of view that, that has influence within that, that particular environment that you want to invest in. And that lowest level of government could be the Department of Basic Education, but the Department of Basic Education that is working already in, that is specifically interested in the development of that school, but then creating the linkage in terms of the school governing bodies, in terms of, you know, the the parents of those, uh, the, the parent teachers association forums that work in that environment, and therefore creating, and then of course, if there are any representations in terms of uh, community-based or not-for-profit organizations that work in that space. So it would be, on, in, in our experience, on a case-by-case basis. When there is an effort to try and tackle it from a macro perspective, it becomes almost very difficult to try and break through. And all things considered. But when you say, I want to work with a school, and I think the starting point is always about who are the other actors in that school, whether it is from a civil society or from a government perspective or within the school itself that have an influence in, the, in, in actually determining what is the root cause of the key problems, what should we tackle first um, in terms of the needs of that particular school, for example, um, I, I hope I don't know if I have given you some. You some of, um, yeah, as opposed to going to national government and saying I want to start with national government, our experience is that it's, it's not the right approach because if you look at where the people investment lies, where 
service delivery really lies it's at the local level and in terms of the key actors in that local space. Fantastic. Let's leave it there. We certainly could go on forever, but I must uh, respect those who are on hold following this conversation, those that have to still have their time on air, as it were. 2118, Ms. Onyin CEO of Africa to Services, giving us an account of International Day of Education, who will be left behind in the post-COVID-19 era of education, together with some of the solutions to these challenges. After the ad break, we go into our next conversation where Tabi Sotlongwane is on hold already.